Are you sick of the Band-Aid approach to healthcare and want to get to the root cause of your symptoms? Have you been told your labs are normal but don't feel normal? If you resonate with the approach to health I share every week on the podcast, there are four ways to connect with me and go deeper and join my community. Number one, get my free top tips to boost your hormones naturally and be added to my email list. Number two, if you're looking for one-on-one support from me personally, I'm licensed in many states and may be able to see you virtually in my practice. For my free tip sheet and to learn how to become a patient, visit yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash health. Number three, follow me on Instagram at DNP. And number four, lastly, join my new free Facebook community simply called Your Longevity Blueprint. So many of my patients and followers have wanted to connect with each other and I figured this would be the best place for such. When you join, you'll also be first to receive updates on new product launches and promotions. I look forward to seeing you there. this test called the breast cancer index. If you stay on this medication for the next four to five years, how is the risk of recurrence reduced? Everybody should have that test. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, you get to hear from Carol Laurie again. This is part two of a two-part series. Last week in part one, we discussed estrogen dominance and what you can do about it, what you need to know and do if breast cancer runs in your family, and what is the first step you need to take when diagnosed. Today in part two, we'll talk about tamoxifen, aromatase inhibitors, and circulating tumor cell testing. This will be such great info that is likely new to you. Let's get started. I want to go off on a tangent here and talk about tamoxifen. Oh. So I've had a lot of patients since we've been talking so much about like estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, right? And the Dutch test and whatnot. I've had a lot of patients who have been recommended tamoxifen who don't want to take it because of side effects, right? <laughs> and sometimes I wonder if they really actually need it. Like I'm always asking them to ask the oncologist, how much is this actually going to reduce risk of recurrence? And maybe you can speak to that too, because sometimes I think, you know, if the answer's high, okay, maybe yes, consider taking it. But if that, that percentage is extremely low, you have to weigh the risks of the medication versus the, you know, the benefits of you taking it. So can you talk about tamoxifen, kind of share who would benefit from this medication, like what it is, how it works, your thoughts on that? Tamoxifen is known as, is really a selective estrogen response modifier or CIRM. And what it does is it gets there and estrogen, remember how I talked about how it has to have a parking spot? It gets into that spot so the estrogen can't bind to that. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the problem with tamoxifen? First of all, PubMed research, 40% of women stop taking tamoxifen within the first two years due to the severity of side effects. That is standard. That's been found, number one. That's yikes. Number two, within 14 to 16 months, 30%, if not more, of women will develop something called tamoxifen resistance. That's when it stops working. So the side effects of tamoxifen are, well, and we haven't even started talking about aromatase inhibitors yet, which is a Yeah, let's go there next. (laughs) Sure. But the side effects are tamoxifen is anti-estrogenic on the breasts, but it is pro-estrogenic on the uterus and the endometrium. And there is an increased risk up to 30% of developing endometrial cancer, uterine cancer. So And tamoxifen, similarly to estrogen, needs to be broken down 
to be eliminated. And it needs the CYP2D6 enzyme to do that. So in my opinion, if a woman is given tamoxifen, she should have this enzyme test done Absolutely, yes. Do the oncologists do that? No. And women who are working with me, I say, go ask your oncologist for this test. And they go, it won't be covered by insurance. That's their standard phrase. And I say to the... um, So what? The patient's willing to pay for it. Yeah, I've had patients. Yeah, I said to the the woman, tell the doctor that you had somebody in your family have this enzyme deficiency and it should be covered by insurance. But the side effects of tamoxifen, brittle nail, brittle nails, your hair falls out, weight gain anxiety, depression, because what's happening, you're being put through speedy menopause. Even if you're older, most women aren't, shouldn't be on tamoxifen if they're older. They're usually recommended aromatase inhibitor. Now, weight gain, depression, anxiety, I mean, it's... and Brain fog. Well, and they have brain fog because they've been through chemo. Chemo and radiation. Radiation is a gift that keeps on giving. Now, the thing about tamoxifen is it creates an enormous amount of oxidative stress, enormous amount, and it can create more aggressive breast cancer in the opposite breast, which they'll never tell you about, as does radiation. Kind of sounds like you're not a big fan. <laughs> well, you know, there are many ways of working with it. A lot of women take it less than their oncologists are recommending. There are ways of telling if the breast cancer was more aggressive or not. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes if you have stage one and you had DCIS and they did an onco score and it was very low, I don't know why you would need that. But if you are older and you have breast cancer in your family, first line, you need something to block the estrogen. So you don't want to be irresponsible. It's better to take the medication and deal with the side effects and work with the oncologist and an integrative practitioner and maybe take the medication with the oncologist understanding at less than seven days a week. But the oncologist has to be on board. But then you need to do integrative tools because you want to change the environment in your body. Cancer is a metabolic disease and you want to make it less hospitable to cell signaling, the cancer calling over to the neighbors, metastasis, all of that. You, It's a serious decision and you need to be on board with the whole protocol, changing your lifestyle, how you're eating and targeted supplements. Ooh, speaking of targeted supplements, let's go back to radiation just for a second. Then we'll go to aromatase inhibitors. But what are specific supplements to help women going through radiation? Few that you could mention there. Yeah, I have an yeah, idea of what you might say. <laughs> First of all, the radiation oncologist will 100% will always say, do not take any supplements during radiation. Unfortunately, I don't agree with that. It's not based on science. There is a supplement that you should not take during radiation, and that's anatotocotrienols or any form of vitamin E. Absolutely do not take that during radiation. You need to be careful about the level of antioxidants that you're taking during radiation. I have a whole radiation protection and radiation recovery protocol that I share with the women I work with. In your program, yeah. So the radiation protection, I'll just give one of them, is get a little stainless steel thermos and you get organic light miso and you make two cups of miso strong and you're in the car and before you walk into radiation, you drink your miso soup, a cup of it. And you go to radiation intermittent fasting. No matter what time, you just don't eat that day, you drink lots of water and green tea. The reason you want to intermittent fast is when you intermittent fast, your cancer cells are going, where's the food? 
and your healthy cells go into protection mode. So the healthy cells are going to take up less of the radiation and the cancer cells are going to take up more. So then you drink that. What does the miso soup, soup do? What's the? <laughs> it's, it has, you know, it has, um, seaweed in it. So it just, it absorbs some of the radiation. Oh, cause of the iodine. Yeah. Okay. So you drink a cup before you go in and then you drink a cup when you come out and you're sitting in your car. And that's very helpful. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. What about glutamine? Are you a fan of glutamine? Well, the thing about glutamine is that how it works is it increases cells, cells, makes more cells, right? I don't want to do that with somebody who's had cancer. Okay. Yeah. I've heard different opinions on that, but that's, that's a good point. point. There are different opinions. There are people say it's fine. And I'm, I'm just conservative like that. It's like, why do something else? Sure. Charcoal. You know, it's a good thing to take during radiation, right? You want to take charcoal substance. You want, to make, you want to make sure that you're moving your bowels. You don't want to be course, constipated. Yeah. Let me and go. You, don't want to, you don't want to double boost because now they're saying just come in for five days. You'll be fine. What do you mean double boost? Sorry. What? They're offering the women a stronger dose of radiation oh. for less time. Oh, and you're saying so no. Okay. Radiation could be every day for 23 or 30 days, whatever the is prescribed for you. But now they're saying, oh, you only need to come in for four or five days and you're getting a stronger dose. So in my opinion, they haven't been doing that long enough. Long enough to know. Yep. And it creates a lot of oxidative stress. And, you know, what? how does oxidative stress show up for you? You're never the same since radiation. You can't get over the brain fog. Um, you have no energy. Like there's really no energy. Mm-hmm. You can't get out of bed. You're depressed. We have to get rid of that oxidative stress. It's like, let me give an example, one of my simple examples. Wherever you live, a normal day, you can walk down the street and you're not bumping into people. There's this big event and thousands of people are coming and you can't walk down the street without bumping into somebody. That's what happens to your cells with oxidative stress. There's no room. They've lost a hydrogen atom and they're bumping into each other and that creates major inflammation. It doesn't repair itself. You need to change how you're eating, do gentle movement and take very specific supplements. And anatotocotrienols is the number one product for very powerful for antioxidants, specifically for breast cancer. And the Delta and the Gamma are the best forms of that because there's a lot of different, they've done an enormous amount of research about anatotocotrienols. Good to know. I've always been taught, at least in my fellowship program, that breast cancer patients, I think this was specifically females, many times have a CoQ10 deficiency. And I don't know if you see that in your patients, but that is a supplement that I use with my breast cancer patients. I'm seeing them after they've gone through all their treatment usually, Mm -hmm. right? So antioxidants are safe to use, but otherwise you're kind of saying you cycle them. Well, you were talking about chemo before, but how do you treat them when they're going through radiation? If they're having this huge, you know, oxidative stress burden, are you then afterwards then using the antioxidants? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to do the same as me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. I help them with nutrition, give them vegetable juices, have them do the miso soup. There's a few supplements that I recommend. One of them is red rice yeast. It's interesting. That's safe to take during radiation. Hmm. Charcoal is safe to take. What does red yeast rice do? We use that for lowering yeah, cholesterol. I know. What, what does it do? I, you for know what? Cancer? I have, I don't quite know, but a colleague of mine recommended it and I have to look up what it does. I don't, I, I agree with you. What does it do? I, I have to find out. <laughs> but, but it's protective, yeah. you're saying. It's it protective protect- in yeah. some way. I don't know what it does. 
I have to ask him, but this man is very well known and has written a book. He's a good friend of mine. He said, oh, I put everybody on red rice juice. And I went to ask him and then he got his sidetracked. We were at a conference. Yeah. So, but I'm going to follow up with that. I kind of want to know the answer to that. Okay. I will let you know. I, I keep thinking of other questions. So let me go back to tamoxifen. Have you heard of women taking estrogen and tamoxifen together? <gasps> I can't imagine. Okay. I have. Yeah. I'm just curious. And I'm I've starting ha- to I've... learn a little bit about that, but okay. yeah, I didn't know. So. There's this big study that showed, you know, you shouldn't be on a lot of the causes of breast cancer were that women were placed on HRT at higher levels for many, many years. Synthetic. But bioidentical can be if you have difficult pathways and they haven't been cleared up, it can do the same thing. Now, if you've had breast cancer, that is an indication that your body is not doing its thing properly and healthy with hormones, right? Why would you then having, after you had breast cancer, go back on hormones? For me, I mean, I have people who've come in and said, I'm back on hormones. And one woman had, that I know, is taking estrogen because she has severe cognitive decline in her family. And and you know that, but she knows what she's doing. She's checking her Dutch panel and she's monitoring herself. And she's a doctor and an integrative practitioner too. So I respect that. But somebody was given, like you said, Estrogen plus tamoxifen, the doctor who gave that to her, I don't know, even know what to say. I can't even I imagine. think there's a lot to learn or, yeah, I guess, discover, uncover with that. But I've just recently heard about that. I just wanted to ask your opinion if you'd. It's not my, obviously, it's not anything that I would ever yeah, recommend. Yeah, 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 sure. You may have heard me mention the nutrient DIM on several episodes, and I want to take a moment to describe exactly what that is. When I was in graduate school, my doctorate focused on estrogen metabolism. Now, you're probably wondering what that even means and why it matters to your health. Well, research has shown that our risks for fibroids, cysts, and breast, ovarian, uterine, prostate, and colon cancer can all be linked back to estrogen, but it's not the levels of estrogens that can increase our risk. Instead, it's the way our bodies handle that estrogen that matters. We can run individual lab tests for this, which I often recommend to my patients. That's called estrogen metabolism testing, which has to be done in the urine. Even without the test, however, it is safe to take a supplement and extract of cruciferous vegetables to improve your estrogen metabolism. That's basically like taking in six pounds of those veggies per day in a capsule form without the gas. That supplement is called DIM, D-I-M. You can also use methylated B vitamins as well as specific targeted antioxidants like resveratrol to help improve your estrogen metabolism and help protect you from that cancer risk. Of course, also make sure you have your practitioner run a comprehensive genetic analysis to see from another perspective if you are at increased risk and help you learn what you can do to lower that. If you're interested in learning more about DIM, read chapter six of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, and check out our product info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash DIM. To get 10% off DIM alone, use code DIM or to get 15% off our estrogen detox bundle with DIM, methylated bees, and antioxidant support, just use the code estrogen detox when checking out at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Let's go aromatase inhibitors. So some of these women are recommended aromatase inhibitors. So what are those? How do they work? What are your thoughts? Well, there's different types of aromatase inhibitors. There's um, steroids, there's non-steroidal, there's luteinizing hormone, there's agonist, there's a whole bunch of different aromatase inhibitors. So the number one side effect of them is severe osteoporosis. 
And then when you initially take them, your estrogen is blocked, right? And you go through speedy menopause and the side effects of that are really difficult because... So for the listeners that... So aromatase inhibiting medications block the aromatase enzyme, which Mm -hmm. converts testosterone to estrogens. Mm -hmm. So it's blocking that. So just to clarify, but yes. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. I got sidetracked. Um, So you don't have access to your estrogen and, you know, brain fog, fatigue, severe joint pain. pain. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Hot elbow, flashes. And knee and unrelenting hot flashes and your hair is falling out and your nails are brittle and weight gain around the middle again, painful sex, decreased sex drive, cognitive challenges. It's very severe. It's very severe. And so I've had women already come in with a very severe documented severe osteoporosis, but they were still put on an AI. And in my opinion, I don't think that's indicated. So first of all, if you're just starting an aromatase inhibitor, I don't think it's a good idea and speak with your oncologist. You don't want to go from zero to seven days right away. The first week you start taking it twice. The second week you take it three days. The fourth week you take it yeah, four days. Up. I mean, sure. you work up, work with your oncologist, number one. Number two, do not suffer in silence. I mean, this is, this makes me very upset as a feminist. They go into their doctor in three weeks, three months, and it's been torturous for them. And there's this attitude of, oh, well, let's just give you an antidepressant and see if that helps. Don't accept that as a treatment modality. Number two, there's a subtle thing where you're made to feel like you're oversensitive or complaining. Don't accept that. The, the symptoms that you're having are well-documented in research. Any of them are well-documented. You're not complaining. You're reporting symptoms. Number three or four, wherever I'm at, lots of women speak with their oncologist. They take a drug holiday or they get their oncologist to agree. They don't have to take it seven days a week. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do that, you need to then also do the whole protocol. You can't just take a pill and not make the changes and think it's not going to return. We want to reduce your risk. Yes. The chance of recurrence is highest within the first two years. And even after five years and more, you're not necessarily safe. So we want to be due diligence about making these changes that you've incorporated into your life that you agree that you want to do. It's not somebody telling you to do it. We're adults. Nobody likes to be told what to do. The other thing about aromatase inhibitors is that you need to learn how to manage the symptoms. And as you get to year number five, there is this test called the breast cancer index. Unfortunately, a lot of oncologists don't use it. I just am the breast cancer index is when they take a sample, the biopsy, the original biopsy is sent to the lab. And then it comes back with statistical significant reporting of if you stay on this medication for the next four to five years, additional time, what is the risk of, how is the risk of recurrence reduced? That is, everybody should have that test. And it takes, you know, as year five comes, you want to be talking to your oncologist. Oh, I'm assuming I'm going to get a breast cancer index test because they don't always do that. So a lot of them, it's no longer about, well, you had your tumor was this size, your stage and grade were this, and you had this type of treatment, and therefore, I think you should be on it. We can get statistical significant numbers. One oncologist ordered it, and it came back for the woman that she didn't need to be on the aromatase inhibitor anymore. And he said, I don't care what the test says. I think you should stay on it. 
So for me, that's an unacceptable. He goes, I don't believe, I don't believe the test. Um, the, the breast cancer index is a CLIA lab. It's not an insignificant facility. They know what they're doing. So sure. when you do a test from a real lab, you want to honor the results. It's not, they're not making it up. Good. Thank you for sharing that. Speaking of tests, I think that also is, like you mentioned, what sets functional medicine providers aside. They have, they can offer their patients advanced testing. Um, but I want to talk about circulating tumor cell testing, which I've done on right. some of my patients. Good. And I saw you had, you know, talked on social media about that. So that I think is just crucial and extremely important. So tell me if you, that's something that you use with your patients, share with what that is uh, for the yes. listeners. There's circulating tumor cells and cancer stem cells. So cancer is a metabolic disease. You want to find out what's happening. What are the driving forces mm -hmm. in your body? Because you've had medical oncology treatment. It treats the tumor. Now, what about the long-term health? So I have this whole week advanced testing, which I'm about to teach tomorrow, week number four. And it's all about enabling the women to get educated so they can then go into their oncologist and say, well, I would like this test and that test. Because usually when the women go in, maybe they get a CBC, comprehensive blood count, to see if they're anemic, what's happening with their white cell. Maybe they get a comprehensive metabolic panel, what's happening with their liver enzymes and their cholesterol. Oh, and I forgot. Aromatase inhibitors increase your cholesterol and lead to cardiovascular disease yep. enormously, very dangerously. Yep. And so then women are often put on statins, which has, it's a whole nother bag. So back to circulating tumor cells and cancer stem cells. So yep. we want to monitor, we want to monitor what's under the hood of your car in a deep level. When mm -hmm. you, If your car isn't working well, when you bring it into the mechanic, you don't say, I want you to just look at the right rear tire. You want to open up the hood and figure out what's going on in the engine. So what's happening with your blood sugar management? What's your hemoglobin A1C? You know, how is your leptin? What are your inflammatory markers doing? Um, How are your liver enzymes doing? And all of that, it's not just are you anemic or not? And then circulating tumor cells are very important because it's a baseline. I think you should get a baseline in about month number three after you finished active treatment and then you're on a protocol. So this is a blood test for the listeners. It's a blood so, test. Yeah. It should be covered by your insurance. It's not, it doesn't need to be sent to any weird lab or anything. And it tells you how many little cells you have floating around your bloodstream that think that they can spread. And that number needs to be low. And if, you know, you do it every six months, I don't know how often you do it with the women you're doing it with, but I sure. recommend every six months. It's an indication how well the protocol is working. Totally. So if it was a three, one, t one time, and then goes up to a seven, six months later, we're heading on a slippery yep. slope. So I would be putting people on, you know, certain protocols for that. And yep. taking that very seriously, because you can detect what's happening before it shows up on a mammogram or before you feel another lump or before it spreads someplace and you need right. a PET scan. Excellent. Okay. I know you're probably big on this also, but how does mindset play a part in the success of treatment? Inflammation is the foundation of all disease. Think of your a farm or a beautiful garden or whatever. And if there's inflammation there, only, the only thing that's going to grow is not healthy. Mindset is the number two thing after the inflammation. And sometimes it's number one. It's a very difficult within the medical world. If you go in and that's all that you do, 
Um, it's very difficult not to have anxiety and fear and be afraid. I mean, I think fear of it coming back is one of the things that women talk to me the most. The second thing is the horrible side effects from tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitors, um, which are life, I mean, life destroying. You got to stay in the right mindset. And for me, breast cancer is a disease of the feminine. It's not about attacking or conquering. We're not at war. It's time to for women to start having conversations with their body. And hey, breast, even if you've had a mastectomy, what was going on that you had to make this, you made this little knob in my breast? I think that there is, it takes a long time to get cancer. So it doesn't show up. It's not like a cold you expose to somebody <laughs> and you get it the next day. So you could have had a trauma 25 years earlier, and then now it can show up as, you know, oh, one women have said to me, I know why I had this horrible thing happen to me when I was 16, and now here I have breast cancer. I mean, there is always an emotional component to disease, and there's always physiological stress, environmental aspects to disease. So understanding What's going on in your body from an emotional perspective and staying connected to that is a very important aspect of recovering. And if you've gone through surgery and you, your body is different now and you've had a mastectomy or you've decided not to have reconstruction, it impacts, you know, you, we're used to looking at ourselves in the mirror and we see a certain thing. And if it's different here, it can impact how you feel about yourself. I've had women say to me, this is very common. I don't feel like a woman anymore. And then there's marital problems. There's a huge divorce rate among women. 50% of women after breast cancer, their partners leave them. Wow, I didn't know that. That's sad. It says it's a lot of testament about the strength of the marriage. There's lack of intimacy. I created a recovering intimacy after breast cancer mini summit and brought together several of our colleagues to talk in that. What I want to say about I have this concept of elephant in the room conversations, which I love because nobody wants to talk about this stuff. But I think if an elephant is in the room, we got to like let the elephant out back in nature and we got to get the room back. Not having intimacy with your partner is one of those elephant in the room conversations. And it's really, first of all, I guarantee you that your partner, whether it's a man or a woman, does not know how to start talking to you about this topic. Because you're afraid that the first thing out of their mouth, you're going to get upset and start yelling or crying. There's no education about this. They don't know what you want. They don't know what you don't want. You might not know what you want. Many women realize they don't want to be naked anymore. They get a little camisole that they wear. They don't want their breasts touch. You need to communicate. And there's, as we get older, intimacy is different than it is in the movies when we're in our 20s. So we have this perspective of intimacy that we see from a movie. Do you know how many people worked on that scene of intimacy that you watch in a movie? There are experts in intimacy management and positioning and lighting that we watch in a movie. And that's what we think intimacy is. That is not reality. You need time to get into the mood. Maybe intimacy is just reading to each other or rubbing each other's feet. It's not what it used to be, but it doesn't mean that it's not important. Talking and figuring out what you both want is really the beginning of moving forward in recovery. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. It's the time of year where many of my patients are ready to detox, cleanse, reset, whatever you want to call it. 
It's great to set goals with exercise and clean eating, but I'm going to be honest, you likely need more than that. At home, you likely are changing your furnace filters every quarter, and you likely change the oil on your car with regular maintenance as well. But what are you doing for your body regularly to get rid of toxins you've accumulated? Each year, the average person is exposed to 14 pounds of pesticides, herbicides, food additives, and preservatives. It's important to periodically restore your body's ability to cleanse itself and eliminate these toxins. Think of your liver as a glass of water. If you keep on pouring in the water, the glass will eventually get full and overflow. Similarly, our livers over our lifetime may accumulate a large amount of toxins, and those livers may need some assistance to clear them out. How can you help your liver? In short, consider a strategically designed, researched, structured liver cleanse program to help with phase 1 and phase 2 detox pathways. A program with ingredients like beet, artichoke, dandelion, milk thistle, and alpha-lipoic acid, which help your liver and gallbladder purge toxins, and then a fiber protein powder to bind these toxins so you can eliminate them. In my practice, I often recommend the Core Restore program and I dedicated episode 43 entirely to it. The kit comes with day-by-day instructions on exactly how to change your lifestyle, how you eat, and what supplements to take. Staying healthy can be difficult, which is why simple cleanses like the Core Restore program can help you to get back on track and pilot you into better behaviors. Please don't start this program if you have active gallstones or diabetes without consulting with your medical provider, and this is also not for those who are pregnant or nursing. From personal experience, this type of program will help you feel better, lose weight, release stored toxins, and benefit your entire body. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code LIVERDETOX for 10% off either chocolate or vanilla Core Restore products. Now, let's get back to the show. When you said you were, you put together a summit of, you know, colleagues talking about recovery from breast cancer, that made me want to make a little plug here for <laughs> a couple other things I didn't intend on right. mentioning on this episode, but we do use a lot of testosterone replacement therapy in breast cancer patients. It can be just very helpful for them on or off an aromatase inhibitor, but testosterone is great at building back bones. <laughs> so many of these women need that for many women. A little bit of the testosterone actually does convert over to estrogen just enough that it helps the vaginal dryness. That testosterone is going to also protect their brain and not just their bones, but their heart. Mm -hmm. Great for mood, great for libido, energy. I don't know your thoughts on that, but I'm a big fan of testosterone replacement therapy. And there have been several trials showing it is very safe in breast cancer patients to use testosterone. And we also use vaginal estriol. And I don't know know, if you're a fan of that, but that's something and or the Jolva cream. And maybe you talked to Dr. Anna Quebec about that, but I had her on the show a couple of years ago. She created the, it's a non-estrogen, more of a DHEA based vaginal cream. So for women who really don't want vaginal estrogen, they could use the Jolva cream, but I'm totally fine giving vaginal estriol. It's not going to convert to anything else. I feel like they're going to have local um, absorption, not a lot of systemic absorption there. So I'm very comfortable prescribing vaginal estriol to these women and that can be a big game changer as well. So I just wanted to put in a little plug for those two things, but feel free to you know share your opinion on those <laughs> as well. Um, I've spoken to a lot of medical, gynecological oncologists, oncologists about yeah. that. There's two camps. One is that, as you said, it's fine. And other women, other doctors feel that a bit of it is absorbed. I like the tablets as opposed to the cream, which is all gooky. And those little tablets are great. If you've had very aggressive breast cancer, I don't think you should do that because there is a small percentage of it being absorbed into the bloodstream. If you're doing a healthy protocol and you're doing everything else and putting in a little tablet once or twice a week is enabling you to have intimacy with your partner. I think it's fine, but I always recommend that the woman speak to their, you know, get an opinion with the oncological gynecologist first, not their regular oncologist, but 
And it really depends on the nature of the breast cancer that the woman had. But I think that maintain, you know, the testosterone and the Anna, Dr. Anna Kabeca, who's a colleague of ours, that is, yeah, and a little bit of estradiol on a person by person basis, basis yeah. on what yep. kind of breast cancer you had is rel- is appropriate. Always assessing risk versus benefits, but also quality of life too. You yeah. know, some of these women yeah. are like, give me, I, I just, I need the vaginal estriol. <laughs> if you're 36 <laughs> years old and you've had breast cancer, I mean, that is, yeah. you know, it's different if you're 36 versus 56. Or 76. Or, or, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. Agreed. Let's go back to, let's see, in, in the time of uncertainty, what do you think is one element women can easily control to reduce the risk of recurrence on the topic of recurrence here? I think mindset is really at the top of that list. All right. Yeah. And I want to circle back around to your cooking days. I have to, sorry, but <laughs> that past episode with you was great on cooking. So yeah, that's fine. Can, can you share some just based, I know you're a pastry chef, but um, share some of your favorite, maybe healthy breast, how should I say that? Breast, breast health, health recipes or foods or foods. Well, I used you to be a chef right. and a pastry chef. So okay, I'm, okay. I think there's fresh vegetables are a big and eating with the seasons. I have to say salads now that and we're having this fall come on. But in the summer, lots of fresh vegetables and salads with really healthy olive oil and lemon juice is my favorite. I use butter. If you're steaming vegetables, you organic butter. There's nothing the matter with it. Lots of butter and salt and pepper and you, and you have steamed, beautiful, delicious vegetables. Pastry baking is a little bit more complicated. I make recipes. Maybe some of them don't have any sugar in them. I have gluten-free waffle recipe that I think it has mm. one tablespoon of uh, maple syrup sugar or coconut sugar in the whole thing. It's not that sweet. I have a date nut bread that has zero. You don't need sugar if you have yeah. dates. Yeah, that so, sounds good. Um, yeah, if you sign up, you'll, if we have a free gift here, but once you're on the email list, I do send out like my healthy holiday baking. I send that out to everyone. You'll get that. And that's going to happen this year too. Perfect. Well, yes. Well, let's go there. So tell us where listeners can find you. You kind of alluded to your program. Tell me what you have going right now. <laughs> um, so, and then the free gift as yes. well. Yes. Well, let's do the free gift, which is um, my healing smoothie recipe. Dr. Stephanie will be posting that and you'll be able to put in your email and that's sent to you. And that's a proprietary combination of um, a P-isolate protein powder or a whey and to a couple of other supplements that are very healthy for you. And it's not just for cancer. You can use that for anything. Sure. It's really great. And the other, yeah. to find me, I have a, a six-week live coaching program where I take women through um, Empowered Against Recurrence. Easiest way to get on my email list for that is to use the contact me page on my clinical website, carollaurie.com. And it's L-O-U-R-I-E is my last name. One, It's one word. And sure. there's a contact me. Just say, I want to be, I want to get information about your Empowered Against Recurrence program. And I'll be doing lots during the month of October, lots of free yeah. masterclasses about that. So Good timing. We'll be yes. able to, yeah, good timing. Perfect. All right. Last question. What's your top longevity tip? I don't remember what you said last time. So <laughs> I don't remember either, but I would have to say movement. movement. Specifically, specifically just get out and get moving or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to find two things that you like to do five or six days a week that get you moving for up to 40 minutes. 
So if you ask me to go swimming or ride a bike, that would never happen. But I have my power walking. And when I say power walking, I'm up there looking ridiculous like this. And sometimes I have weights with my vest on, my weighted vest. And I also um, like to lift weights. You need to make time in your schedule. If you're a couch potato, you're going to, and eating the standard American diet, you are going to get some disease eventually. You don't have to be old and have a disease. It's not necessary. I'm old and I don't have any diseases and I intend to keep it that way. My daughter said to me, mom, you know, my mother, her granny was in a wheelchair the last and she said, you don't want to be in a wheelchair like granny. And I said, heck no. (laughs) And I started, I was out of shape. I started walking, not power walking, but, and I live in a hilly neighborhood, five minutes out and five minutes back. And that was several years ago. Now I'm, you know, an hour out and 45 minutes back because it's downhill, but And I do that very religiously. So it's never too late to start. And when you first start, you can start with five minutes. You don't need to start, you know, with an hour. You work up. And I've lost weight. And, you know, I mean, I'm muscles and I'm, you know, older and I'm not going to be in a wheelchair. You don't need to be in your 90s and be in a wheelchair. Agreed. Well said. I intend to do the same. Thank you so much today for coming on the show and just sharing well, what we can do to reduce estrogen dominance, but also for being such a resource for those with breast cancer. So I encourage listeners to connect with you. This is great timing. This will launch in September before October. So this mm-hmm. is great. Thanks mm-hmm. again. Thank you for having me. Take care, everyone. As Carol mentioned, we do want to open up the hood and figure out what is wrong with your engine. If you've been recommended tamoxifen and haven't had your CYP2D6 tested, ask your doctor about this. This is an easy blood test. And if you haven't had estrogen metabolism testing run, again, call the clinic and we can get you a Dutch test ordered, especially if you think you're estrogen dominant or have estrogen-related cancers in your family like breast, ovarian, uterine, colon, and prostate. If you have cancer, as Carol mentions, please consider an integrative approach. This should improve your quality of life and reduce side effects with conventional treatment. And if you haven't had circulating tumor cell testing, please request this. And Carol actually has free webinars for her Empowered Against Recurrence program coming up today on the 18th and on the 20th. I'll post links to this in the show notes. And lastly, as this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I'd so appreciate it if you'd share these episodes with a friend in need. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.